This week on the O oh, the Anthem podcast, we have a little sports ball to talk about? What? Perhaps it's because the long gone summer doc just came out yesterday and Corey, me, has thoughts. In addition, the Oscars are postponed. Theaters are going to come back soon with Tenet in theaters soon. So uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. In the news, COVID cases are going way up. Supreme Court makes a huge ruling on LBGTQ protections with Gorsuch leading the way. And then we have a whole lot of Trump talk, including is he having a stroke, uh, Mary Trump's book and Bolton's book, a whole lot more. You don't want to miss a thing. Come join us right now at the O the Anthem podcast. haven't forgotten about you this is Corey, and this is the o the anthem podcast good afternoon everybody it's rob welcome to episode 323 of the o the anthem podcast coming to you from the hashtag ota la studios high above the 110 freeway in downtown los angeles california thank you for joining us yes thank you for listening on your podcatcher of choice the easiest way of doing that anchor.fm forward slash o the anthem absolutely so lots of stuff to get to this week Corey. let's jump right in at the top a little bit of God. Let me find a splash. It's been so long. Sports ball. All right. Sports ball yeah. feels good to be back. Um, and I mean, it's not actual sports. Let's be clear about that. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's things that are sports adjacent. I'm gonna let you bury the lead because then I'm gonna come back at you in a little bit. But go ahead. <laughs> well, how so? Auto racing is a sport, <laughs> and auto racing is bad. Technically, with a vengeance. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that one. Yeah. Uh, first, though, uh, with all the different sports trying to come up with their ways of uh, moving forward with actually playing games, uh, it's important to realize that even when these players are at home, hypothetically, uh, they're not safe. Uh, a couple. <laughs> You're never safe. A couple members of the Cowboys and the Texans uh, each contracted coronavirus including ezekiel elliott uh, oh is he the name player yeah oh so of the uh uh he he's the biggest name of the people who who got sick Ooh. uh but you know it, it, it's making it more clear that whenever sports do come back we're going to have to deal with people just not playing because of coronavirus like you know at some point during the nba playoffs lebron james is going to get sick i don't know if it's lebron james but i'm saying like Whoa. someone like lebron james is going to get sick and then we're going to be like oh the lakers have to do without lebron like, why are you wishing that on him Corey? i'm not I wishing it like on anyone i'm just saying that the the, the law of large numbers is indicating that at some point lebron somebody james is going to get, get no somebody is going to get sick and it's going to be impactful mm-hmm. and uh the most impactful player that i could think of that would affect uh, their team is uh, probably the well, Giannis would probably be more, but you know, I don't watch the NBA, so I have no idea. <laughs> LeBron, at the very least, has uh, Anthony Davis to to help cover things a little bit in case uh, in case he does come down with something. But 
I don't know how to talk about people getting sick without like, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So like it, it, generally speaking, if you're talking about sports, you wouldn't wish an injury on somebody. Mm-hmm. But if it's like the type of thing, like it's, you know, random people are getting it, then it's not like you're putting yourself in like, you know, nobody's putting themselves in like more danger of getting it by you could just run into somebody and get it, you know? Yeah. We were trying, I was trying to explain earlier the, uh, the way that the statistics work. We'll get into that when we get to coronavirus <laughs> down a little later. Uh, before that though, um, the other sports franchises or sports leagues, sports leagues yeah. are trying to come back as well. Um, I think most notably the MLB has such a long season. You figure, yeah, yeah Corona is going to impact. They'll find a way to get back, but Oh boy, does baseball not find a way to let us down because <laughs> Not it's not even about Corona, honestly, at this point. It's a labor dispute that well, they're involved in. <laughs> corona is just the the wrench in the works yeah. that is making uh, all this more difficult. So uh, we've kind of touched on it up until this point. Uh, but uh, baseball's collective bargaining agreement was set to expire at the end of next season. Yeah. So uh, when this whole coronavirus situation happened and we realized that games were going to get missed, there were moves by different entities within baseball to try and figure out a way to go forward with uh, playing without necessarily having to play the players the full amount that they're due. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and That's there's capitalism, baby. <laughs> uh, not to be uncommon with a baseball labor negotiation. There's been some uh, bad sportsmanship going on on both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, most notably the owners who, uh, sort of made an offer that was like, all right, so if we play 50% of the season, players get 50% of the cut. And then they're just like, okay, well, that sounds like a reasonable thing. And then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, yeah, but if fans don't come back, then we're going to cut that down to 20. It's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Why were we to expect that fans? Why would you even offer that? We- Listen, Tom Cruise <laughs> gets paid. And nobody shows up to the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like the talent always gets paid. Right, exactly. People are going to watch it on TV. So <laughs> I don't know. I get paid for the TV, not for the fans in the stands. To be fair, uh, have you guys not been seeing the news stories about, you know, like Marble Racing Leagues doing <laughs> super well? People are desperate for sports. Just just start playing again. People yeah. will watch. Don't worry about Figure it. Figure out a way. Because, I mean, like, uh, I uh, number one, the owners have to get over the fact. Like, both sides in this. Uh, uh, in baseball labor negotiations over the course of history, it's always been contentious. And they've sort of found some peace here in the last couple renegotiations of it after the 94 strike. Yeah. the ninety. And for those of you who aren't old enough to remember, 94 was real crappy. Like, yeah, they cut the season short and then we didn't have a 95. No. Was it 93 that got cut short and then 94 we didn't happen or 94, 95? Oh God, no! Nonetheless, yeah, there was a half season. We didn't have a '94 World Series. Yeah, so, and then yeah. then uh, the next season just didn't start. It was going to start, and then with the, the oh, replacement with the, players, yeah. replacement players. That's right, yeah. Because yeah. uh, uh, baseball said we've reached an impasse, so we have to get new players in yep, here, and they get they filled them up with the uh, replacement players, and then uh, uh, Sonia Sotomayor, mm. uh, future Supreme Court Justice mm. Sonia Sotomayor, uh, argued that the owners were. Uh, negotiating in bad faith. Yes. To which the owners were like, what? That sounds like something we do. <laughs> uh, and then they lost something like $700 million in legal fees not to get a single thing. Like, because they went back to the same agreement they had. Uh, <laughs> but it's been peaceable since then. It's been pretty peaceful. Uh, yeah. uh, the last 
uh, labor renegotiation that happened, though, the players, uh, at least from the players' perspective, took it on the chin that yeah. time. So there was sort of a thing going in where it's just like, okay, we're getting a little bit more this time because we took it on the yeah. chin last time. If we have to strike, we'll strike. Right. Uh, and it, coronavirus is is giving a lot of players the opportunity to sort of see a way out, hypothetically. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's one of those things like uh, baseball could demand that the players come back. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't know exactly how it works with the contracts as far as how much they get paid or something like that. But they could just say, come back to work. We're starting. Yep. Um, and, you know, hypothetically, players who are, you know, on the higher end of things, the Mike Trouts, the Aaron Judges, those types of players who might not want to risk their health in this sort of thing could just say, not playing this year. Yep. And then it's, they don't get paid for the year, but, you know, it, it basically backdates their contract one more year yeah. until they come back. It backdates but, their multi-hundred million dollar contract yeah. uh, where they'll get, yet an, they'll, they'll end up having to have an extra couple years of Bobby Bonilla money. Right? Yeah. Restructure <laughs> inevitably at the end. Uh, but yeah, I mean like, you know, it, it, it sucks because, uh, you, you hope that they'd be able to find some sort of way around this. And uh, the part that really kills me is that like the owners always cry poor. And I understand that the costs of running a baseball organization are, I'm sure a lot mm-hmm. like, you know, you have staff and you, you got to pay for upgrades on the stadium and repairs and all sorts of things. And supplies. Uh, I mean, that beer is $18 a cup. I have no idea what it must cost what they them. pay. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, huh. I feel like you could get a better price on it. <laughs> You're buying in bulk, right? Like, <laughs> go to Costco, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> they go buy six-packs and pour them into the keg individually. Uh, <laughs> I'll just take a can. I mean, like, just give me the can. Just I give me the bottle. It's just... <laughs> Save no, no, us. No, bo- no bottles. I don't trust most <laughs> sports fans with glass bottles of anything. I, it, the, the thing that's really uh, disheartening about this whole thing is that I feel like the players want to play mm-hmm. and I feel like the owners, you know, would like a product to be on the field. But neither one of them seems to have visualized the path to that being the case. Like if. uh a rule I've always been told in negotiation or as a, a good starting place is like you take the people individually, right? You say, what do you want? What, what is a win for you? Yeah. And then you hear what they want and then you hear what the other side wants. And then you can sort of understand that if we start the negotiation from the place of this unrelated thing that doesn't get us both to this, this middle place, then it doesn't have a place in the earlier parts of the negotiation. Yeah. Get to the consensus as quick as you can, and then you can work out the variant details at the end. When we, when I was negotiating as a lawyer, that was the general rule. Yeah. Your guy has 10 things. My girl has 10 things. Where are we? Is there anything here that we're close on? And let's start there. Yeah. And inevitably, 7 out of 10, it was just a little bit of tweaking, and we can get there. Now, Split the difference between these two points. Yeah. And, yeah. and now we have three. Okay, but... Now the list is small, and every time we get to st- a stagnant place, we look back and be like, "Hey, we started with ten. Well, now we got it two. Come and not on. only that, but like you know, there's some point along the way that maybe you gave in on because it wasn't as important to you, but yeah. it was important to them. And you yep. sort of said like, "Hey, listen, I'll I'll give you this one in good faith. Like you know, hey, I, I, we're we're both doing things for each other, and nothing's final. I can yeah. still take. We can take it to the bench if we want to go all the <laughs> right. way. But yeah. in the meantime." You know, like uh, maybe you be a little bit more courteous on this one point that's really important to me and yeah. blah, blah, blah. 
the baseball negotiations, from what I can tell, has been largely all the meaningless stuff. No, like let's figure out what we they're don't trying to figure out the CBA for next year yeah. now because they're in this position where it feels like they should re- be renegotiating the whole thing right now. But, you know, and that just leads to them going like, well, what how much are we going to afford for catering every week? And it's just like that's not important. We <laughs> you figure that part out later. Like and the problem is the owners have always cried poverty. So yeah, they feel like they're coming from a strong point of saying like, hey actually in a place of poverty now yeah and the players as labor are coming from a position of being like hey we are in danger coming to work labor is very important so whether or not either of them has a powerful position labor always has a more powerful position yeah generally speaking because you know well i mean uh, peter angelus isn't strapping on cleats and going out there, yeah so. <laughs> and you can get a uh, hundred replacement players to come out and try out and none of them is going to be at the level of which your basic major league player will be right there's a reason those guys are not playing in the major leagues already <laughs> there was one replacement player who really broke out do you want to guess who the one replacement player was no who, who had a, a sustained major league career afterwards kevin millar Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. Yes. Yeah. It came out of the, uh, the strike. So yeah. So how many, players? I'm sure there's other ones too. I'm sure somebody's going to like, he's like the, the, somebody's going to email and be like, Gary Sheffield was one of those guys too. I'm just like, fuck, I forgot. No, he played 92. No, I know. I I'm just saying, uh, I'm just uh, throwing somebody, some bigger name. He's going to be like, you idiot. You forgot. Um, but how many <laughs> replacement players were there? I mean, there was enough to fill all the rosters of all the yeah. teams. And, uh, wait, and so one of them was able to continue one, playing for a, a long period of play. time. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. If it was... Uh, and I don't want to say the NBA is in a different position, but I think the difference is you and I couldn't make an NBA team. People would right. have fun watching us play basketball. Yes. And three guys who are in just as good a shape as us. Yeah. Now, would they pay $118 for floor seats? No. Yeah. Not but that it would level. Be fun. Yeah. It would be fun, you know? And, and I think that's just like the circus is fun. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I think that the, there's a little bit of a difference in that. First of all, there's only, there's a way smaller number of NBA players and there's a field of players out in the world. I mean, and one and big three have both shown us that there are a lot of really great NBA pl- or and basketball well, players who don't play in the NBA. I, I would say that uh, more than anything, I think there's NBA players who are on the or like people who are on the bubble more of yeah. being NBA players than there are baseball or you know because baseball has way deeper. You have to have a huge, huge. You have lineups. to have you know multiple minor league teams yeah. put together of people. The people who are not on a minor league team currently are usually not on a minor league team currently because they're just not good enough. Like, or, they're just on the outside of, like... This just occurred to me, Corey. Yeah. Maybe they're working as a waiter somewhere because all they need is a pair of glasses, and then that <laughs> fastball yeah. will really become dangerous. <laughs> so. I'm, try- I'm trying to figure out a way to, to correct your <laughs> joke and make it about major league. Oh, is he not a waiter? No, he was in the he was in jail. Oh, he was in jail. That's right. <laughs> where'd Ooh. you Where'd you spend last year? California penal. That's right. <laughs> uh, or longest yard. I mean, NFL yeah. could just replace him with California penal league football players. I would watch that. All right, I would watch that. So, or you know, like I I still I still maintain that uh, the best way of handling some sort of penalty is NHL. <laughs> you go to the box for two minutes, right? Yes. 
I think that there's a way baseball probably wouldn't work like this, but almost any other sport could <laughs> in a way. In play a man down. <laughs> <laughs> Holding 15 yards, you lose your left tackle for a play. You know, like things are getting interesting. Just, just down one. Yeah, things are getting interesting. You know, and you lose a receiver, and it's like you're down one eligible person. Like uh, that, that makes a difference. Or you're, you're down, down a cornerback. Cornerback, yeah. and then then it becomes interesting. Or you're down a kicker. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> you got <laughs> Doug Flutie drop kicking it. <laughs> Your kicker has to has to uh, takes a flop. They put him in the box, and he's like, "All right, who's up next? Uh, Chris Davis want to come in and kick for us too?" I Kicks don't know. it out of bounds on the on the kickoff. It's just God damn it! I'm gonna miss my next point. After. He's out. Yep, he's out. Um, but so sports uh, will be coming back at some point. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, I just want everybody to know NASCAR is back. They're already running races. They ran two weeks, I think, or three weeks to empty uh, tracks. Mm. And they're coming back at Talladega with 5,000 fans. Now, I would maintain that NASCAR is the type of sport that you could probably run without fans in the stand all the time. You could. But part of the culture is people in the stands. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you know, the, the, there would be the purists who miss it. But and I'm saying, like, as listen, far as the racing goes. Like, I think Talladega seats, like, 170,000 people. Yeah. So the 5,000 that they're going to let in will basically be empty. But I'm uh, saying, like, if, if I'm at a baseball game and I yell at Mike Trout, yeah. he can hear me. Yep. Uh, he might not be paying attention or anything like that, but if I'm yelling all game, at some point he's going to hear that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I can't yell at Jeff Gordon as he drives by it. At you can hold up a sign. Miles. He's not going to see that shit. How fast can you turn your sign? <laughs> yes. What is it? I'd it, have to throw it on his windshield. You got to hit the delta shift so that you're moving at the same speed <laughs> as him, so that it just knocking breathe. out the poor gentleman yeah. next to me in there. <laughs> Confederate flag Listen, outfit. I've seen you move. You could just run down the side <laughs> of the track and. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so, and Corey and I were discussing this in the pre-show that NASCAR, funny enough, has kind of positioned itself to be the next generation of sports. Yeah. Because while baseball may not have a season this year, and then also may not have a season next year if the CBA thing continues to. Or maybe not next, uh, year after next. Yeah. Um, they may end up going on strike for a while. Uh, NASCAR is basically saying, what do we got to do to get young people out here and interested? Yeah. And the you had reminded me of the uh, the uh, what the virtual race that they ran earlier mm-hmm. this year. Yeah, they they did one uh, basically on Twitch. I I think mm-hmm. where all the racers like were on Xbox and. Did the Daytona 500 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I mean, like it, I, I, I what I heard from uh, the news is that NASCAR had a huge spike of people watching that that virtual race. Yeah. And particularly they had way more young people tune in than ever before. And they had way more like diverse people tune in than ever before. Because NASCAR is kind of white and male, yeah. like it, old kinda, white old male. white male kind of kind of sport. Yeah, uh, and for NASCAR to see an event where like young people of different colors started showing up, it really uh, uh, got them excited. Yeah. So once all all the protesting started and uh, everything like that, uh, they jumped in both feet first. Like we're gonna go, we're gonna go harder than anyone else. We're gonna be the the trendsetters on this one. And. If and I was to tell you, Corey, <laughs> that there is a sport that banned the use of 
any derogatory language, mm-hmm. uh, especially that towards uh, race yeah. or, or ethnic uh, origin. Right. Uh, any symbols of hate. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be your first guess as to the sport that had done that? I mean, well, how about I would, this? I would probably say baseball. How far down the list is NASCAR Last. On, that, <laughs> on that list? Yeah. yeah. Uh, NASCAR would be behind that sport of two people who slap each other really hard in the face. <laughs> like, <laughs> that would be the only sport that I would think would have... Now be careful. You'd people, have to go all the way down the list. <laughs> people could switch away from us and go watch that on the Ocho right now. So be careful. I but, reminded them that's out there. Now they're gonna... But yeah, uh, I mean, why I, are you listening to this shit? Some guy named Rusty's getting slapped right now. <laughs> and some little dude is about to take out a really huge guy because it's always the little guys who like, for some reason they get that arm. It's He's like a, literally named David too. Just hold your elbow and just get that arm moving yeah. and just knock the guy out. Um, like but, the Ichiro of slap fighters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, I said when we were talking before, I, I actually watched NASCAR growing up. I watched uh, regularly. I had favorite drivers. I did the whole nine. I bought uh, merch with drivers on it. However, did you have the jacket with like all didn't the, get patches? the jacket? Oh, okay. No, no, I didn't get the jacket. Uh, I didn't. I don't like. I don't like being a billboard for yeah, yeah, products yeah. for a while. I wore Nike because I actually liked Nike. And then I found out about the whole, you know, Southeast Asia sweatshirt or sweat. Uh, <laughs> Say what stuff. now? And I was just like, Oh, okay. So I'm not going to wear Nike anymore either. Um, and I, <laughs> and then I became the piece to, Piece of the resistance, and then well, I was gonna say the uh, <laughs> Kaepernick the, thing. For a while, the only thing I would wear is because I still like Nike shoes. I would wear black on black on black Nikes, where the even the swoosh was uh, black, Obscured, so you couldn't, really, yeah. couldn't really see it. Uh, I, I was safe with that, but I never went to a race, not because I don't like the sport or because I wouldn't want to see it in person, because I don't like the other people who go watch the sport, right? And I, I think what I said was all the people I hated from my high school are NASCAR fans and go to NASCAR races. And then even besides that group, all the people who are okay in my high school, but you know, still live where I grew up, where I don't want to live there anymore. Yeah. They're the rest of the people who go to the NASCAR races. So it's just like, and at most racetracks, you have 15 seconds of action followed by two and a half minutes of nothing. So it's really a time for you to hang out with the people around you, which is great if there's people you want to hang out around if you. If you like the people. But as you pointed out, um, the guy next to me might be wearing an entire three-piece suit made out of a Confederate flag. Yeah. And that's not really a gentleman I want to get to know because my guess is he's not going to have a lot of depth <laughs> into the happening issues I might of the be world. sitting next to the literal boss hug. It may be so. <laughs> uh, actually, it's the guy on the other side of me who's wearing the three-piece white suit with the cowboy hat. <laughs> Confederate uh, guy, not even at the level of boss hog. Um, so surprising, but also not. They found that they could get interest from young people and people of color. I mean, I, I think that's the part that really shocked me. Not yeah. that like, uh, I, I figured if they, if they, uh, what's hard about racing is that like, you know, the, you have cameras in the car and you hear them talking to their like pit crew and stuff like yeah. that. But it's not like. You're really getting a character of who, you know, it's not like Dale Earnhardt's cracking jokes or anything like that. He's very serious about the task at hand. It's you know? all the it's all the before and the after race stuff. Yeah. And 
everybody likes a winner, man. And that's why nobody gave a shit that Roy Ciricilli or whatever his name is <laughs> said he wasn't going to drive anymore because he can't have a Confederate flag on his car. <laughs> Bye. Uh, yeah. A guy who at his best finish, finished 39th and uh, in a field of 43, by the wow, way. Wow. Yeah. Um, and uh, never won anything, never placed at the pole, never nothing. Uh, so bye. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that it's an important. <laughs> I wonder if the team manager was like, no, don't go. <laughs> I think that there is a meeting of two things. There is NASCAR finding out they could get young people of color to watch. Yeah. And also, I do believe that the upper echelon of management and ownership at NASCAR are guys who are old enough who remember this sport started from people who were running from the cops. That is what NASCAR, stock car racing, NASCAR, National Association of Stock Car Racing, Stock Car Auto Racing. Um, And it used to be you couldn't take a car on the track. That wasn't at the outside looking exactly like the stock car. Yeah. And the whole point was, what can you do with that thing that makes it look street legal, but it ain't street legal? Because that's what moonshiners did. It's like, yeah, yeah, so I got a Ford Pinto. So they could drive by looking like it's a normal. Ford Pinto. Yeah. 454 big block. And it's pushing (laughs) 550 horsepower. So like the cop switches that light on. Cop goes by. Officer. (laughs) Yeah. But he turns around and hit the lights. And then it's nothing but like back wheels. Front wheels up wheelie down down the street. And I do think that there is an element of people who said, when the sport uh, when the sport first started, maybe that the element of the Confederate flag truly was about rebellion against authority, but that has well, I mean, like it, it, literally, if you if you had no connection to the South, your your reason for having a Confederate flag on you was because you wanted to rebel in some sort of way, or because you hated black people. Well, I mean, yes, and but I mean, I like, would say that in the South, more than the North. The North, the Confederate flag, was a statement about your belief about race. Right. In the South, I know people. So uh, Talbot County is about to remove the statue of the Talbot Boys, and it's super controversial because there's a lot of people in Talbot County who great-great-granddaddy fought for the Talbot Boys. And the Talbot Boys were a group of guys who left Maryland to go fight for the Confederacy. And the whole point was, for me, it's history. Not, not me personally. For those yeah. people, they're saying. For me, it's history because my great-great-granddaddy went and fought for them, and I still consider myself a don't-tread-on-me libertarian anti-government guy. Right. So we have the same ideals, except one of those ideals for your granddaddy was keeping slavery around. That's why he went to fight for them um, and why he was upset Maryland didn't leave the Union. So. I mean, like, all, all I can ever think of is – uh, there's a band I really like called Turbo Negro. Yeah. And they're like a Finnish uh, death metal band. And, you know, and most of the world, when you hear Negro, it's black. Yep. So the band is literally like Turbo Black, which sounds like a really killer metal band. And it's, it's black death metal, right? Uh, it, it's it's more pompous, but it's it, it's certainly hard. Sure. Anywho, yeah. uh, I have one of the shirts. I got one of the shirts at the show. And then I realized after I got it, I'm just never going to feel comfortable wearing this in public because it's not worth it that somebody knows that I like this band enough to think that I might be a racist. Like if you travel to Finland. Yeah. Or if I went to their show, then I could wear the shirt because then people would know. And you change in the parking lot into the shirt and out of (laughs) the shirt. Well, you know, sweatshirt before I go in. (laughs) The only guy with a sweatshirt in LA in the summertime. Like, (laughs) 
I got things to hide. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I try to hide my Turbo Negro sweatshirt by keeping the sweatshirt on and the hood up. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I think that there is a there is a level of people who realized at the upper echelons of NASCAR that our fan base has been these angry white old guys. Yeah. And those guys are going to die off at some point. And why are we holding on to these things that they care about, but we really don't? What we really care about, let's be honest, is money. Mm-hmm. And finding a group of fans that's going to take us into twenty one or 2050 and 2070. Yeah. And if we can find a way to do that, let's jump on it. And they did with both <laughs> feet. Uh, firing a driver who I, I heard the story on the way in, so I don't even know what driver it was. But apparently firing a driver for uh, using a racial epithet at one of the races since they've been back, uh, letting Ray, whoever his name is, quit rather than be letting... The I racial epithet, by the way, was the N-word, though. Yes, it was yeah. the N-word, just to be clear. Yeah. Uh, and I believe that it was used in regards to Bubba Wilson, who is the only black driver <laughs> in NASCAR. Right. Um, and it wasn't said to him, but it was said about him in the presence of someone else. So someone got fired, uh, Ray quit, and he was like, what, you think you're going to hold NASCAR hostage? No, bye. Yeah. We'll get a new driver next year. Uh, no Confederate flags. Th- they're apparently going to police racial epithet usage in the stands, meaning if they hear you shout something, you will be escorted from the track. NASCAR is taking more more steps than Fenway Park ever willing. <laughs> like, that's, you know, and that's the thing, too. Like, you know, for a... <laughs> For a southern sport, which has such like a, a a veneer of racism that seems associated with it, like you know nobody ever said the same thing about you know people who go to Boston and constantly get heckled from the crowd yeah. of racial epithets and like you know like it, it's like uh, people. I feel bad sometimes for people who are the good people of the South who are, who are yeah. like lumped in with like people's preconceived notions of it, and I feel like NASCAR has a lot to do with that too, but. but they're stepping away from it. Yeah. And I don't hear baseball saying things like, if we hear you scream something racist from the from the green monster, you'll be escorted from the ballpark. Right. Which, by the way, they could. Yeah. They should. Yeah. <laughs> You're America's pastime. Uh, now, it did take you a well, long I mean, time like Adam to, Jones, to play. Adam but. Jones said, like, he, he heard it all the time. Yeah. And then, like, I, I can't remember, like, I, I think the Red Sox put out some sort of statement, like, we make sure that our fans don't do that. And then, like, the next game, it happened again. And he's just like, no, no. Happened again. Yeah, it's still like, happening. Ah, <laughs> we can't really please everybody. We don't <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and uh, we have uh, Tony chiming in from uh, Facebook. And Tony says, uh, do you think there will be a price hike due to limited seating? Drivers are isolated. Yes, uh, NASCAR drivers are isolated, so for them it was the easiest sport to bring back. (laughs) But keep in mind that they're not isolated either. They have a pit crew of 12, generally speaking, so those guys are around each other all the time. And there's another group behind the scenes of about 20 or more, and they're all in contact with the driver. And the way the racing works is it's four hours of extreme sports. It's 125 degrees, and you need to have all your facilities and all your attention you start feeling sick in the middle of that. Most guys aren't going to pull over. They're going to say, I can push through this. Yeah. So testing is also important for them. Uh, but yes, there will most certainly be a tax, uh, a, a hike on prices at Talladega. Um, I can't say for sure that they won't clear more 
selling 5,000 seats than they would selling well, 170,000 seats. They basically get, you know, the cost of whatever the sky boxes are for yeah, 5,000 probably fills up their luxury boxes. And, and that's I probably also, what they're thinking. I, I haven't imagine. seen that they're not going to allow luxury boxes where it's like, hey, you guys have all been together quarantined. Sure. We'll give you a box and you can buy the box as well as 5,000 grandstand seats. Yeah. That's the other thing too. You want an egalitarian sport. There are two levels, really. Rich and poor. It's luxury box and grandstands. Now, your grandstands go from like... Can you be in the infield, too? Uh, in some places, yes. Oh, okay. Uh, Talladega, yes. Martinsville, no. Martinsville is a half-mile oval, and there's no room inside. Hmm. But you might be at the top of the grandstands versus trackside, but essentially, it's all the same thing. It's like baseball. There, There's levels to it and the price may vary somewhat i think there's less variance at nascar than there is at baseball yeah because uh what is the yankees behind the home plate seats oh the uh legend seats or the whatever Lexus yeah. luxury box or yeah. whatever like eleven thousand a seat oh yeah yeah uh you're not gonna find that in nascar <laughs> but there's also not a place like that like maybe at the line but you can really see action happen there's not anywhere. like a 50 yard line yes. for nascar yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a super egalitarian sport. So I encourage people to get into it. Uh, so long as they stick to this whole, no Confederate flag and no racism yeah. thing. But, uh, before we move on from sports, you wanted to talk about the, uh, long gone summer doc. Oh boy. Did I? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, ESPN has been doing, uh, documentaries to fill the time of, uh, not having sports, which is fine. Uh, I, I've been enjoying them. The, the, the Jordan doc was really nice. Uh, I felt like it was it was pretty fair, all things considered. Uh, you getting Jordan's involvement, I think uh, people were worried it was going to be a Jordan infomercial, but I, I felt like they covered everything with a with a fair lens. You yeah. know, uh, maybe you let Jordan get the last word on a couple things that maybe he wouldn't if you were independently editing the thing, but. He's Michael Jordan. It's about the 98 Bulls. Yeah, it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. Yeah. Tony it, Kukoc is the uh, the center of this Bulls documentary. They, they did the uh, uh, Lance Armstrong one, the two-part Lance Armstrong one, which I liked a little bit better because it was basically calling Lance on all his bullshit all the time. And, like, it seems like Lance is trying to be honest, but this is also the guy who lies all the time, yeah. like, constantly. <laughs> Like, I like I like Icarus better. No matter what it is, Icarus <laughs> is better. This is a better documentary. Um, and now this long gone summer one, which is uh, remembering the good old days of the home run chase in '96 with Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. Um, oh, I thought for sure you were going to say ni- 1926, back when there were was it Mantle and uh, Lou Gehrig. So was that 60 would have been Maris and Mantle. 60. That's what it is. It was yeah. a 61, 61 asterisk. Yeah. That movie. Let's right. do a documentary about that year. Well, that <laughs> there has been documentaries about that one. Yeah, and okay. uh, uh, the the Billy Crystal 61 movie is really yeah. good, too. Absolutely is. And I feel like you learn a lot about what it means to be Roger Maris at that point. Mm-hmm. Because... Roger Maris was going through fucking hell because nobody wanted him to b- break Babe Ruth's record. Uh, they decided like after he passed 154 games that they were going to like partition off Babe's record because he did it in 154 games and uh, Maris was going to have to get this asterisk on his record. Uh, all because baseball was very short-sighted about like how they should perceive the history. So wait, are you saying that in that documentary and that movie, they address the controversy kind of right up front 
Oh, like in in the Billy Crystal movie? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Oh, so I mean, I can only imagine how much of Long Gone Summer was talking about the controversy. No. it, it They oh. kind of, at some point about halfway through, they mentioned seeing Andro in the locker. Mm-hmm. Which was a much bigger story than they played it out in this doc. As I remember. It was more of like a, like, uh, somebody saw Andro in there. And it's like, what's Andro? And then they asked Mark McGuire. And he's just like, yeah, I did it. And then it, they moved on to other things. But as uh, I remember, that ended up going to Congress. It was such a big deal. Yes. And mm, yeah, uh, mm. with about 15 minutes left in the movie, they start getting into the, oh, maybe these guys were on steroids. And maybe Congress is getting involved. <laughs> maybe everything you know about baseball is a lie now because this record is no longer true. And but thanks for watching. <laughs> And it's only going to get worse because Barry Bonds is upset about it. So he's going to, <laughs> he's going to start taking steroids now and just blow all the records out of the water. Mm-hmm. What bothers me is that this is not me hating Mark McGuire or Sammy Sosa or anybody who used steroids. If I was a baseball player of that caliber and pretty much everyone was using steroids, I couldn't imagine that I would not do it. And I would imagine that. Most of the players, there's still players who are doing it right now, and they've just figured out a better way of hiding it. So one of the, I've been playing a lot of Fallout 4 recently, yeah. and one of the like the storylines about the old world in Fallout 4 is that there were two leagues, and essentially one of them was like, anything goes. We just want to see a dude who runs like a, a 1340. That's mm. what we want. Just yeah. whatever you want to take to get you a 1340, you do that. And then the other one was like totally clean. So it kind of like uh, it split the world into if you want to see exactly what a human is capable of, given all of the science and technology that we have. Right. You can see that if you like the game in its pure form, it's less impressive, but it's more. And I mean, there is something to be said for that. Well, I mean, like take take McGuire, for instance. Right. Say he never took steroids. He would still probably hit a lot of home runs. Yep. He was still a very just naturally big, bulky guy. He was a bash brother before yeah. steroids. I, if you look at rookie year or USC Mark McGuire, he's still like a lumberjacky looking mm-hmm. guy. He's just thin. Like he's th- and he's not like super muscle on muscle. He wasn't Mr. Adonis. Yeah, it's, it's not like all up here. It's not like when you see him in, in the Cardinals uniform <laughs> and he looks like fucking uh, who's the guy with the ox? The Paul Bunyan. Paul Bunyan. Yeah. Yeah. Looking Paul Bunyany. He's wearing a 3X jersey on top and the small pants. Yeah. <laughs> God, I... Chicken legs. The fucking pajama look. I hate it. Mm. Anywho, uh, I I don't... I, I have no problem against Mark McGuire specifically, right? Yeah. yeah. I have a problem that nobody stopped any of these players from doing it because now I can't look at what Mark McGuire did and accurately be able to say... Because what's great about baseball is no matter what, to a degree, you could say... Tris Speaker and this player are very similar because they both have this number of hits in their career. Yeah. And, you know, you can break things down and you can have arguments about like, you know, like, oh, well, he wasn't good against lefties. You got to go to Ted Williams for, you know, and so on and so forth. Derek baseball, Jeter and Cal Rukin both played short. They went to third. They're uh, comparable players. Baseball, baseball is filled with these little things where yeah. you could have discussions. And, uh, you know, there's obvious uh, blind spots where, like, uh, there weren't black players for a long time. So yes. Babe Ruth's career isn't necessarily the same as Chris Davis's career for that reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's easy to be the best when you don't let other people play. <laughs> yeah. And you're, you also have, like, you know, 10 teams. It's easier to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know, more or less, like, 
you have a sense of what a really good baseball season is because of numbers that are, are kept. Mm-hmm. And when there are things that cause the numbers to jump out of whack, you take that from us. Yeah. And I feel like what I would have preferred was a examination of steroids and baseball and like the the fact that this was basically the fulcrum point between where we were before and where we were. I mean, there were players who were taking steroids before this point, but it didn't erupt into people challenging the home run record. That almost felt like unbreakable for a while there. Even people would get to 50 and they, everyone would be very impressed. Like 50 home runs was a monumental deal, but cheating in general, because the Astros didn't take any performance uh, that we know of any performance answers, but you've now skewed the records because right. now we're looking at your season and saying, Oh, look how amazing that team was. No. Yeah. You cheated your way to that amazing record. And Oh, what a great eye that guy has at the plate. No, he <laughs> knew mean, a pitch was coming. I mean, it, nothing changes the fact that if you're a, a professional baseball player who can hit home runs, you, you know, there, there's a way that you could get hot for a while and hit more home runs than you're used to. Yeah. Uh, and if you are using steroids and your, your swing is just a little bit faster and your reaction time can be a little bit more, perhaps it makes it like your everyday normal is you on hot streak Yeah, without, you know, and maybe the hot streaks that you get from that point on are even accelerated. Yeah. Yes. But like, you know, I, I, if Mark McGuire never took steroids, he might have broken the home run record at some. He might have hit sixty-two home runs in a season. It's, yep. I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, you know, Ken Griffey, who by all accounts wasn't a steroid user because he always was just Looked like skinny Ken, yep. <laughs> Ken yeah. Griffey Jr. And it was just a beautiful swing that just rocketed these things into outer space. But like people, you know, people were like, "He's going to break the record. He could do it. He he had fifty-six home runs. Like what? Yeah, <laughs> he's there. He's he can do it." So, I don't know. I I just really feel like this doesn't help. These uh, PR-related documentaries where it's like, oh, we're going to fix Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire's image so that they they can be part of baseball again. It's just like, they could come back. I don't care. I just, I I want, like, baseball to admit. Like, I just want there to be, like, a wing of the Hall of Fame where it's just, like, the complicated years. (laughs) Like... But everything if, if, here is is certainly a stat you can use, but it's complicated. If Sammy and Barry and Mark can come back, Pete needs to come back too. Because the betting on the game though has always been a uh, the it, ability for one player to impact the outcome of a major league baseball game versus gaming the entire home run race based on performance enhancing drugs. But at the very least you could say that uh with people who are using steroids, which is part of the reason why I don't blame people who did it that mm-hmm. much. I mean, like, I'm disappointed. I'm not mad. It's just like... <laughs> Thanks, Dad. It's like, I, I, I just wish that, uh, you know, Barry Bonds has to go against a pitcher who who has steroids in his system, too. Like, there's yeah. not... It's not like he's the only one. Like, Barry Bonds figured out some sort of way to juke the system. Like and Pete Rose says he never bet on games in which he played. Yeah. And there was that NBA ref who said but he then never he did. bet on games that he played. But then he admitted he did. Uh, did he? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I don't remember See, that. See, the problem with Pete Rose is, like, I, I want to, like, as far as accomplishment and worthiness of being in the Hall of Fame, yes. Like, obviously. There's no doubt he's the hit leader. <laughs> yeah. So that, that makes sense. Um. But it, it doesn't make sense because 
he just constantly does whatever he can to get close to getting in and then he he blows it up himself like he'll he'll be really good and like you know like oh i promise i'm on my best behavior and mm-hmm. then they'll invent, invite him to the all-star game and he'll be drunk or something you know and they're just like you made a fool of yourself and now it, it it's one step forward two steps back with pete rose all the time and baseball doesn't want to put themselves in the situation where they crown him and then have him do something that blows up in their face you know how many uh mlb players have been accused of domestic violence who are in oh i'm sure i'm and there's awful people all over the place but yes there is so (laughs) but they're drawing really weird lines that's all i'm saying i'm saying the lines are are determined by the baseball writers association of america that's that's who decides who goes into the hall of fame well and i mean like there's people you know so uh, uh somebody said uh didn't vote for Cal Ripken mm-hmm. on the first ballot Hall of Fame. Because no one's ever been... Um, because at that point, there had yeah. not been a unanimous pick. And yeah. they're just like, if Babe Ruth isn't unanimous, then neither is Cal Ripken. Yeah. Like, he's not better than Babe. So I'm not going to vote for Cal Ripken, even though he's obviously a Hall of Famer, because of this point. Like, I, I can't control that, you yeah. know? I mean, he's still winning the Hall of Fame. This one guy's vote meant nothing. But, yeah. like, uh, it, you know, it, you have to appease the powers that be in the baseball hall of fame more than you do others. All I'm saying is when I'm running things, Pete's in the hall of fame and the baseball writers go to the guillotine. That's <laughs> it. Just, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the whole thing. <laughs> they can just not be responsible for it. They don't have to die. <laughs> That's not how it works. You pay for the sins of the past. That's how it works. Oh my God. And right, now no. we've talked about sport. If you guys didn't think we missed sports a little bit, that was 45 minutes on sports, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was sports ball. <laughs> So, yeah, we miss sports. Let's pick up the base a little bit. Yeah. Um, for your consideration. Yes. Uh, so, news that came out today, the Oscars are going to be postponed for two months. In and addition, that's the 2021 Oscars, which are the Oscars for this year. Right. Yeah. Uh, and the qualification date is going to back up two months as well. So Because, by usually, the way, I, I only mentioned that because I had someone ask me today, wait. When are they usually? As if they said, like, oh, we're pushing them to September from June. Like, no, it this is next year. Yeah. And the reason that they are pushing it is... So that more movies can go out yeah. to theaters. Uh, it, it it was going to happen end of February, early March, something yeah. like that. I don't know what Sunday it lines up with, but somewhere around there. It's going to be backed up over. two months to April, mm-hmm. and uh, February will be the end of the year. Yeah. For the Oscars. It's usually December 31st, but now uh, end of February. And for movie lovers, this is amazing. Yeah. Because the traditionally dead time of the year will basically... So one of the problems we always have with seeing those Oscar movies is it also aligns with Thanksgiving and Christmas when you have a lot of shit going on. And now it'll be spread out. Because yes, there will be stuff coming out Thanksgiving and Christmas, but then the dead time of January and February will also have all of these Oscar contender movies when we yeah. have nothing but time. Right. Amazing. And when the worst movies are usually coming out. Yeah. Yeah. It's the uh, the dumping ground of February, where you put the uh, R rated I mean, comic like, book movie. You, that- <laughs> you know, it, it might make sense for the Oscars to do this sort of all the time because yeah. then you push the award season to the beginning of the year. You leave. Uh, there's still going to be like blockbusters for Christmas and yep. and Thanksgiving and stuff like that. 
And, you know, the summer months pretty much push all the way through until October-ish. Hmm. So the artsy-fartsy stuff could you'd be have in like, January, February. <laughs> or, I mean, like, you know, the, the October could just be like the only dead zone of the year, really. Because then, you know, the, the earlier summer blockbusters are now like April. And so. I was going to say October, November are now also partially holiday movies. It may not be Christmas, but yeah. you get your like Halloween slasher movies, which are coming back. Thank God for Blumhouse. Blumhouse. And uh, then by when you hit November, it's all, you're in Christmas movie season. Yeah. I think that the uh, the one with Henry Golding and uh, the chick from Game of Thrones. Last Christmas. Last Christmas. Yeah. I thought it was so weird because it actually came out mid-November. And yeah. the whole point was that it would get a running start into the Christmas season. And I was just like, oh, who wants to go see a Christmas movie in mid-November? But Rachel it did really well. Rachel <laughs> wants to go see it. Rachel, Rachel wants to see a Christmas movie in the middle of July. She's <laughs> Oh, I was yes. thinking about putting up the tree. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a substitute teacher in high school who kept her tree up all year round. And uh, because of her HOA, she couldn't keep it in the window. So she hung it upside down in her uh, garage, which I think may also have been some sort of satanic ritual to try and bring <laughs> Christmas all year round. And I feel like Rachel's going to turn into that lady. That's, that's my point. She's going to turn into that lady at some point. Well, I hope she's not listening. <laughs> uh, in addition, uh, theaters are opening in mm-hmm. the state of opening, depending on where you are in the country. Even California. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Tenet is sort of the big movie that's looking to reopen theaters, if you will. Yes. Uh, push back another two weeks, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to see that like in an actual theater here at some point. And here's what upsets me because I don't, it was a, it was a temple for the summer. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a Marvel temple. Right. We could have still gone on a Friday night and enjoyed that movie. We're not going to be able to now. The talkers I, are going to go see this movie. I'm worried about just generally people going back into normal society yeah. a little bit. And yeah. more than that, I'm just worried that like, I, I don't know. I feel like the first couple, the first month of theaters being open again is just going to be... Very treacherous. Or I, treacherous. Don't get me wrong. I will mask up and go to a 1 a.m. showing <laughs> on Saturday night of Tenant. 100%. Yeah. I will not be there Friday at 8 p.m. Because, right. one, everyone who wants to see a new movie who hasn't seen a new movie will be there. Which means the talkers will be there. And the people who don't really care about the movie but just want to do something yeah. will be there. And I don't want those people. And even at 25 or 50% capacity... I will be bothered, and Corey will definitely be bothered by those people. So we will end up hoping for, fingers crossed, a 1 a.m. Black Panther type showing of Tenet. <laughs> uh, when we saw Black Panther opening weekend, no, it was a Thursday after opening weekend. No, no, it was opening weekend. It was opening weekend. Yeah. And we were the only people in the theater until two minutes before it started when one other guy came in and sat, and sat next down, to us, right next to us to watch it. It's just like, God damn it, man. Come on. <laughs> And it wasn't a big theater. It was a smaller theater, but still. It was still like, like 100 seats, though. Like, <laughs> There's a lot of seats He had here, choices. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Honestly, I, I want theaters to be reopened. I'm looking forward to new stuff coming out Not again. Not even the buffer seat, too. That was the part know, that bothered right, me. So, like, right. right next to me. Like, God. It, if I, I walk into a theater and I like see a seat I want to sit in, I consider the buffer seats. Yeah. Because just, just generally speaking, I don't want to be up on somebody else's shit. Like I also consider the buffer row. If there's <laughs> nobody in any row, I'm like, all right, that's a seat, but it's too close. I'll go one row, maybe two rows up. Yeah. I'll be in an equivalent seat. Okay. No, no. 
this is the seat I want. I am sitting there. You guys can move if you want to. Which, by the way. I would be worried that if we moved, he'd move on. I mean, maybe. <laughs> maybe he just didn't have any friends. We should have probably talked to him. But, hey, you got to come before two minutes before the movie. Because once it starts rolling, Corey's got rules. And we got to follow those rules. Once um, the lights go down. <laughs> but uh, speaking of uh, reopening, uh, COVID cases are going up. Yeah. Uh, now, California, luckily, we are not seeing the huge spike that they were thinking was going to happen based on the first post-Memorial Day testing. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that there was a bit of like, we weren't testing anybody for a couple days, and then a bunch of tests came in. Wow, we got a big spike. It is going up. But hopefully it's not going to be as drastic. But I thought it was interesting that you were right in in a point you made earlier that every other country seems to have a huge spike. It comes back down. So nobody's it, going back to zero. Right. It plateaus to some level, whether Very low it's level. whether it's half of what the spike was or ten yeah. percent of what the spike was. We in America had a huge spike, which then got a little bit of a peak in it. And as soon as we got to the other side of the peak, we just reopened everything. Yeah. And now we're going back up. And it, you can't even well, really call it a, a second wave because... It's a continuation of the first. It I, really is a continuation. Well, and the other thing is that, like, people, you know, uh, it seemed like uh, part of the country was, like, Arizona, for instance. They were like, we haven't been getting coronavirus cases. Why are we shutting down? Why are we doing any of this shit? We're just going to keep living our lives like we have been because we're... Uh, clearly coronavirus can't live in Arizona. It's too hot. Sure. Like <laughs> the president said heat kills it. Yeah. So, so we're going to keep Arizona open. Thank you very much. And as then, Corey said on the podcast here, Arizona is basically the devil's armpit. He went there and sweat from the moment he crossed the border yeah. until the moment he left. <laughs> Once you hit New Mexico, it gets surprisingly better. But, <laughs> <laughs> like literally just go across the border. It's just better all mm. of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, and then Arizona just got, three times the amount of cases per capita than New York got at its peak. Yep. Uh, which is Arizona catching up to the fact that it's still going to get coronavirus. And yeah, yeah. perhaps being open like that was uh, inviting chaos to occur. Uh, <sighs> but it, it, that's the worst part. It, or like one of the hardest parts, I think, for people to understand for the U.S. as like a country is that like we're not really fighting this all together. It's not like the coronavirus, the LA wave is the same as the New York wave is the same as the Texas wave. Yeah. It's like somebody who's in New York and decides that they want to fly to Texas, gives it to somebody in Texas after (laughs) two weeks, it goes to somebody, you know, like it just keeps going like that. We, we really need to think of our country the way that Europe thinks of itself. We are 50 kind of individual countries with individual policies and we're going to see waves the way that Europe did. Uh, Germany and the across the border in France had different reactions and different wave stylings on cases. Yeah. The same way that New York and Pennsylvania did. Just the way that it works. Uh, when you have a local government that's able to say different rules, that's what happens. Yeah. And California has avoided a lot of it because we've been shut down. But... So I saw a tweet. The tweet of the week related to coronavirus this week was like, oh, I like how we had to stay inside for three weeks. And then everybody was just like, oh, I'm bored of this. Okay, everything's open, I guess. Um, Because that's kind of how it feels. There's nothing that said we're in a place that we can reopen. We really just got bored of being in quarantine and now everything's going to reopen again. Well, that and I think that uh, 
there it's openings have sort of seemed to follow with uh how the state of california or whatever state is getting uh pressure from uh legal threats yes from different i mean like, that, but to me i though, think I, i'm pretty sure the monday after when hotels and stuff like that were allowed to open was going to be when the judge was going to have an immediate or um, emergency injunction about whether or not the hotels could be closed because of the coronavirus yeah or if they could policy themselves kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, right before that happened, uh, Newsom was like, oh, we were going to open up hotels. <laughs> so it, that lawsuit is obviously not like an emergency thing anymore. And that sort of backs up the thing. Much like we talked about Maryland, like their uh, unemployment got fucking hammered. Yeah. And nobody was getting unemployment because... The system was not set up for that many people being unemployed at the same time. And, and then they reopened. They were just like, oh, no, it's fine. We're going to get gonna back reopen. to it. Yeah. Um, I mean, basically, uh, I, I, another tweet that I saw this week was just like, you know, the All Lives Matter crowd weren't shouting All Lives Matter when it was talking about grandma dying last week because the economy's got to be reopened. Yeah. And then they spent two weeks shouting All Lives Matter at the Black Lives Matter movement. And now... We're getting back to the, well, and fuck grandma. Grandma could die. I need to get a haircut already. Um, which, by the way, just uh, have somebody in your house cut your hair. <laughs> just Worked have Roxy do for it. Me. Worked out fine. Although, by the way, it's already growing out. I think I might actually just buzz it down. Just to like the scalp or something like that? Yeah. Do a GI I, I don't know that I'm going to bick it. Bicking is a lot. but And the widow's peaks are, by the way. The hair, the short hair at 10 and the short hair at 36 are much different. Look, <laughs> look how far I can pull it back and it's still forehead. Oh my gosh. Anyway. Yeah. Just have somebody at your house do it. Get, get a pair of trimmers. Uh, unfortunately, I have curly hair. So I, I mean, that, I don't know if you watch the video, which is available on my YouTube that channel, takes but a, you use the scissors first and then you buzz it. Right. But uh, with curly hair, there's a lot more you have to consider. I, I don't have time to get into it. I just, <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, Every time I go in, they say I got to charge you more because it's curly, and I'm just like, got it. I mean, I I don't think that's true. I, I don't I, I don't feel like I've been lied to this whole time. I'll go <laughs> with you for your first haircut and confirm whether or not that's the case. Uh, but one thing we don't have to confirm, and maybe one thing that the president wishes he had confirmed, is where does his Supreme Court justice nominee stand on issues? Because uh, big case came down this week. Real quick, uh, I, I'd like right. to I'd like to do the blind read. Okay. okay. Uh, well, first let's do the case. Let's yes. do the case. So, uh, it's, a uh, a person, I, I didn't get the details of, uh, whether or not the person is identifying as male or female. So excuse me. Well, we're going to use, let's use they, okay. we'll use the, they here, meaning a single person who is transgendered, but we're unclear about whether they're male transgendering to, or moving to female or female moving to male. Fair so enough. instead we'll use yeah. they. Yeah. They sent out an email to everyone at work saying, hey, just so you know, come Monday, I'm going to start my transition. So mm -hmm. I would appreciate these pronouns. I would appreciate that you uh, understand where I'm coming from, if I look different or if I'm doing something different or if you, I ask you to call me a different name or any number of these things. A heads up email to yeah. the office. Uh, that person was fired. Yes. Uh, that case over whether or not they were allowed to be fired for announcing that they were transgender uh, went all the way up to the Supreme Court where it was ruled on today and uh, was, oh God, I don't know if it was upheld or if it was uh, 
I think it was overturned. Overturned. I think it was on appeal about the lower state saying, no, this is not a violation of the Civil Rights Act. Basically, uh, transgender rights are uh, roped into the Civil Rights Act. Yes. Uh, And that was the decision that was handed down today uh, in a 6-3 decision. Yes. And I heard that number and I was like, wait, wait, what? Uh, Okay. Like five to four, you might have got me on or like a four, three, two, like some sort of Republican split where they couldn't come to a a consensus. So the strong liberal side of the court held it. Not six, three. Did not see six, three coming. And I would like to uh, if you didn't hear uh, who voted where. Yes. I would like to read the lead opinion of the. uh, preserving opinion is that the no, one? it is the uh, it's a controlling opinion controlling, but it, is, yeah. it is the majority opinion majority opinion yes when the express terms of a statute give us one answer and extra textual consideration suggest another it's no contest only the written word is the law and all persons are entitled to its benefit an employer who fires an individual for being homosexual or transgender fires that person for traits or actions it would not have questioned in members of a different sex uh, and therefore the employer is in violation of the civil rights act and the law. Yes. So that was the decision. Uh, just everybody who's listening to this right now, take a second, think mm-hmm. about your favorite Supreme court justice. Who do you think it was? And Gorsuch, it was fucking Gorsuch. You were thinking Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> yeah. I know you were, you no. thought it was Kagan. You no. thought it was Sotomayor. No, no, it wasn't. It was fucking Gorsuch. Wait, wait. And who nominated is... Gorsuch? <laughs> Trump. That must have been Clinton, right? Trump. Oh, oh, okay. That was the seat that was going to be, uh, oh, fuck it. What's his face? I already forgot. Obama, Merrick yeah. Garland. Merrick Garland. Yeah, it was going to be Garland's seat, but uh, McConnell wouldn't hear any proposals, so it became <laughs> Gorsuch. And Gorsuch was uh, seen to be the second coming of Scalia and in a way they're correct because both Scalia and Gorsuch are very into textualism, which is the exact word by word reading of the constitution. However, Scalia is a strict constructionist and you would find Gorsuch to be more of a textualist. Yeah. Uh, And that might not make a difference in a lot of cases, but in a case like this, it actually does. So a constructionist will take in outside information, but only that information that was at the time of the law's passing. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- this really came into an impact when it's First Amendment, Fourth Amendment, Second Amendment cases, because it's like, well, what was the intention at the time? Not how we read it now. What was the intention at the time? Right. Uh, whereas Gorsuch, ironically, is even more strict than that. And he says, what is the text? But we get lucky when you have a law that was written by people like Lyndon Johnson, who spent his whole life writing uh, legislation and was very specific about the wording that was used and terminology used and Mm -hmm. what's actually in the law, which, by the way, will suck for anything challenged that was created in the last 20 years because they are the laziest lawmakers <laughs> in the world now. Yeah. And they're all written by other people. And well, they're written by the people, the, the APAC. Well, yeah. <laughs> or whatever, whatever, uh, trade group is, uh, trying try to win favor. Yeah. Like if it's a medical bill, it's going to be written by pharmaceutical companies and mm-hmm. insurance companies. It's just, that's how it's going to be done. Somebody in the boardroom of the insurance company is yeah. writing that bill. Um, but yes, it, this is uh, number one. Great news for uh, 
all my friends in the LBGTQ plus community. Yeah. Um, especially with the fucking awfulness with Trump deciding to uh, take away protections on the anniversary of the Pulse nightclub shooting, which almost doesn't seem like a uh, coincidence. No. Seeing as we had the Tulsa Juneteenth thing going on at the no, same that time was well. the, it was a, it was some kind of <laughs> scheduling error, all right? We didn't know, okay? It's not like he we celebrates were, Juneteenth. We were wondering why the venue was open that day. <laughs> uh, not a lot of big political rallies wanted to come in on that day. And, mm, uh, Tulsa? Tulsa. Juneteenth, really? <laughs> mm, all right, well, let's do it. We thought it was going to be a day off, but... Um, no, it, and you know it, it's it's wonderful news in that regard. It's uh, this ruling in particular sort of uh, is specifically highlighting a trans issue, mm-hmm. but the generalized reading of it is that uh, this would apply for other protected classes who aren't necessarily trans. Yes. So if you uh, under the same pretense, if this was I've come out and i've decided that i'm going to let the whole office know i'm gay and that way if you see my boyfriend come you're not confused everyone knows i'm gay now then uh or that i'm telling everyone that i'm gay now uh then they can uh uh, hypothetically the same sort of protections would apply in that case right if it went up the chain you know and the that is kind of the question uh whether or not it puts some kind of new test that do gay and lesbians meet that test the way that you put it. My boyfriend came to visit me at work and I got fired because of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Because what Gorsuch is saying here is that you would not fire someone else. If my girlfriend came. Yeah. Or if a girl had her boyfriend come. So now you have, you've drawn a line that violates based on sex. The question is if is just being gay enough the text of this case is just announcing that someone is transgendered. So I think that there'll probably be a qualifying case. The problem is I don't know that anyone's going to bring it because conservatives will be too afraid that they lose it. And then there is no gray area anymore. And liberals will be too afraid that they lose it. And then we actually need more uh, legislation because right now or more clarifying judgments from the, from the court right now, it basically says we don't need an equal rights amendment. We don't need an LBGTQ amendment. Uh, we don't need anything additional because all of those protections that we would look for elsewhere can be brought in under the civil rights amendment. Yeah. And as long as that's still good law, which who knows, yeah. uh, but as long as it's still good law, then we're okay. And I say who knows because Congress let the voting rights act expire. So yeah. who knows what's going to happen with the civil rights act, but uh, and then one other thing, just because we're talking about the courts, uh, yeah. they we had talked a couple <laughs> weeks ago about how they were uh, considering a case about uh, qualified immunity and because there officers. were dueling cases going yeah. up on qualified immunity, and it seems like it's the kind of thing the court would want to decide. And uh, they've decided not to, so it's not on the schedule for October. So uh, let me kind of give some context for that. The reason they wouldn't do that is also because. Congress has said they want to address qualified immunity as part of their greater uh, let's talk about policing in America. Yeah. And the courts have historically said we don't want to make new legislation from the bench. Right. Uh, Let they, them have a crack at it. And then, yes. Yeah. They, they have before, but essentially what they did, uh, the progression of uh, civil rights was 
Brown versus Board of Education ruled that segregation, uh, separate but equal, is not good law. And there were other cases that came up to establish how we can make equality. But the courts refused to take those cases because Congress was saying, we are going to come up with a civil rights, a piece of civil rights legislation. Right. So the courts let it happen, let time pass, and we got the Civil Rights Act. Uh, now, Brown versus Board of Education was 1958, I think, 59. Civil Rights Act was 65. That seems like a long time, and it is a long time when you're waiting for it. But when it comes to governance, that is kind of light speed. We yeah. went from Jim Crow to Civil Rights Act in seven years. The fact so. that, and you know, uh, speaking to the protests and what's been what's been happening because of it, you know, a, a lot has fallen really quickly mm -hmm. and and almost unbelievably quickly. Uh, I I wouldn't have thought going in that. Uh, the protests would be as as uh, impactful as they are, but uh, people are, are are really holding the line, and I, I I appreciate it. And they're I'm gonna call back to the beginning of this episode though, because the difficulty is the things that have changed might be those points of consensus where we are not that far apart, and let's mm -hmm. give on those first. Okay, the harder talk, the harder work is going to be done down the road. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you have to renegotiate with with police, you know, police unions. unions. Yeah. Uh, like I think 40 states have police bill of rights that give them a separate bill of rights other than citizens. Yeah. Which are now questioned. Why do they have more protections than the average citizen? Well, and I mean, like, you know, at the end, uh, much like we could say about baseball with the players union and having a lot of power when it came to not getting drug testing. Yeah. On any kind of. <laughs> It, it makes sense. You know, you you would think that if you were a fan and you wanted the sport to be clean, the players would want all the players to be clean and they'd yeah. fight for that. But they didn't fight for that. No. And because of that, it fucked a lot of players. Uh, so it's not necessarily about like unions being good or bad. It's about like what levels some unions take to get certain things that aren't necessarily beneficial for the long term sustainability of the union. Yeah. Uh, this is what happened with the auto workers to an extent because people were like, okay, we want to bail out Ford and Chevy and all these other companies, but, uh, we can't, if somebody's getting paid $87 an hour to sleep and you can't fire them because they're in a union contract that is so impossibly difficult to get rid of yeah. that this person literally sleeps all day and gets paid. And like, you know, like that, that was the, the first, you know, and it, don't mistake people who criticize unions as like trying to work for the betterment of the worker, because a lot of people who criticize unions don't like unions or like, don't yeah. like organized labor. But, uh, it's important. I think that, uh, while this opportunity is presented itself with police unions, that everyone take a look at, <laughs> at their own house, because this is a, this is a thing that could blow up a hundred different ways. If yeah. it, if it wanted, you know, like I, there's teachers unions that are that are frayed at the edge because some people are against the sort of seniority of teachers unions. I, I and, am insanely pro labor. However, yeah. some teachers unions have too much power and bad teachers can't be fired. And that is you should not protect the worst in your ranks. You should look at the union as a way to strengthen the profession right. and make it better and protect your people. Yes. From things like. From reasonable ex exceptions of, of getting fired. Like Mr. Jones wants to be Mrs. Jones. 
that's fine. And we should work to protect their rights to do that. But Mr. Jones sleeps all four periods of the day and his kids don't learn anything. We should be able to fire him. Right. Or put him on a path of either being a better teacher or getting fired. And I mean, like, that's the same thing that people are basically saying with the police. Absolutely. Like, you know, like the, the idea of the good cop is not wrong. Like we all have people who are police officers who are friends or family and they're well-meaning and they're not, they're not causing trouble, yeah. but they also don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to, they don't want to call out the people who are doing bad things on the force because it's them against everybody else that they do that. Yeah. And it's not worth it. If you are, you know, one person in the Tuscaloosa police department, not to pick on and Tuscaloosa, but the, the only difference is a teacher does a bad job or an auto worker does a bad job. It sucks, drives up prices, makes a profession look bad, but nobody dies. Yeah. So we are now talking about police and not teachers, although we should talk about teachers and we should talk about auto unions and everything else. Right now we're going to talk about police and yeah. doing something about policing. Um, but, uh, Speaking of police, just real quick. Yeah. Uh, the Baltimore City Council had their vote tonight on yes. to what they were going to do. And uh, even though Brandon Scott is now officially, effectively the mayor. Effectively, yes. Uh, Jack Young decided not to listen to a single thing he said and was pushing through every single uh, bit of the police budget he could. Yep. Uh, so there's that. So enjoy one more year, Baltimore <laughs> Police Department, because I have a feeling it's going to be different next year. Someone tells me that Brandon Scott's already scheming his cuts. He's yeah. already. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this might be the time for the police to be like, you know what? We're actually on board with uh, moving this grant money around and giving you some oversight. So how about that? Brandon? It'd be wonderful if it happened. I don't. I, They're not going to do it. Not gonna happen. They're not going to do it. The FOP will go out and with a straight face say, listen, there's nothing wrong with cops planting guns. We know they're bad people. <laughs> You know, you know your uh, your organization is on treacherous land when the New York Union pol- police chief is like, the show us a little respect," <laughs> and it's just like you're, I'm watching it. And I'm just like, dude, read the room. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. And by the way, the only ones you can get out there are every white police officer. <laughs> there is no people of color whatsoever. There was literally one black guy behind. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. At least Trump brings that guy up front. Like, it's just like <laughs> bring him up next to you, man. Sit next to me, Ben Carson. Like, <laughs> come on. Why is he in the back of the crowd? <laughs> uh, but speaking of Trump, uh, interesting week for him. Uh, personal issues first. Okay. He gave a speech at West Point. Oh, he was shuffling down a ramp, and then uh, earlier he had a problem drinking out of a glass. He lifted yeah. it with his his left hand. Yes, right hand, and then sort of did the little alley oop with the left. Yes, yeah, to give himself a little assist. Um, And people are saying many things. One of them is, did he have a stroke? Uh, I can tell you, having seen someone who survived a stroke, that that is behavior I saw. Now, does that mean the president had a stroke? No, it could be a lot of other things other than that. But it could also be that we have a seventy-four-year-old man who is in his first term. Mm-hmm. And is looking to be a 78-year-old president, which I think would make him the oldest president sitting at that time. Because he is the yeah. oldest president in the first term right now. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Which means that there are presidents who are older, but they got older During, in their second yeah. term. Um, I mean, Reagan was, Reagan's the oldest president at any point in time, right? I think, right? And he was like 77? Like he, had the, he had the, the highest age of anybody who served as a president, Yeah, I think. And... If the math is right, that means that 
we are in the election year, so yeah, so Trump would I mean, be seventy eight. He would yeah. be the oldest president. Uh, but one of the things I mentioned was Reagan towards the end of his second term, you could see that he was starting to go away. Yeah. And people were concerned about that. And it may have been a factor in electing Clinton and then Bush and then Obama, where we went like a younger, let's, let's look for a younger guy. And luckily the Democrats are responding to this because we have nominated an outstandingly young guy (laughs) who is exactly the same age as the guy who is currently president. So. And great news, he was responsible for the crime bill that got us in large part to where we are right now. Yeah, so. And is uh, unpo- unapologetic about it now because he seems to be pretty pro-police now and just, in another case of read w- the room, dude. <laughs> and just wait for him to ruin it all when he announces Amy Klobuchar as his vice president. Yay. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know if the president had a stroke, but all I'm saying is I, I was saying Pete Buttigieg, not just because of the things he was saying in his campaign, but because... We need a guy. We need a Teddy. We need a Jack. We need somebody in their 40s to just give us one, a young guy. What really worries me about the idea of the Trump stroke, and I'm not not trying to uh, (laughs) diagnose him from here because I don't know shit. I don't know anything about it. I I don't feel comfortable making kind of assumptions about it. Uh, What I will say, though, is that uh, what worries me, given how much... uh, apologizing on behalf of him already happens. Mm. Like I would hate to think that he actually gets to the point where he's over. He's full on stroke, like full on. He's lost it. He's incapable of, of running the country and he's still going to be out there because what are we going to do? Give it to Pence or like, you know, like it's like, Oh, he's strong and virile and you don't know any better. And like, he will like, never admit it. Like and Kim Jong-un when he disappears for yeah. a while. Like a North Korean leader where it's like disappears and it's just like, he might be dead. Like, No, he's strong and virile more than ever. He was riding two horses bareback. You have no idea. Kim Jong-il hasn't been seen in five weeks. Oh, well, we got this video of him riding two horses, like one on each foot. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. This undated How video. sick is he? <laughs> but and that's the problem. He will never step down no matter how bad he was doing. Yeah. And... Can you get a majority of his secretaries to agree that he is unfit for, for office? Probably not. I mean, it would have to be, you know, like vegetable level, I think. Like yeah. it, would, it would have to be so clear he can't operate that like. That is be. what it, the level it yeah. reaches. It reaches like incapacitation because him just being crazy. I'm not I the mean, one. Like, I, I mean, it's not the same era, but like FDR for the last couple of years effectively was. You know, Eleanor was the shadow president. Is no, what they would uh, say. you're thinking of Woodrow Wilson. He was incapacitated. FDR was bedridden, but he yeah. had all of his faculties until he had the heart attack that killed him. Woodrow Wilson had a stroke, likely on a train going to Seattle, and his wife was probably the first female president because she said no one gets access to him but me, and then would take bills into him, and they would have notes on them when he, she brought them out, and then whenever anybody saw him, he couldn't move his hands. So yeah. <laughs> everybody was asking, where did the notes come from? So, um, But yeah, I don't even know it would have to reach that point because I don't think that anyone asked the question. Not one of his secretaries, by that I mean, of course, the, the secretaries of the departments, right. would be have the balls to go to anyone else and be like, so he's looking bad, right? Because immediately you're worried, that guy's going to go to the president, and then the president's going to oust me. That's well, it. I mean, like it, it, it's the type of thing that I, I part of the reason why I don't think he's necessarily having the stroke is because he, he seemed normal other than that. 
like other than the having trouble lifting the glass and the walking down the the ramp slowly, always standing like a stork. Well, like I mean, he's p- been he's been doing that for an alien in a human body. He's been like, doing that for seventy years. So, <laughs> uh, yes, I not mean, like, being able to tie his tie to a correct <laughs> length. I mean, all these things are things we already know. So, yeah. I mean, like, I, I just feel like, you know, those are the only things different. So I'm not trying to to apologize or be an apologist for the man. But, like, you know, he, he could be dealing with something stupid that, like, you know, like every once in a while, I, my shoulder's fucked up and I don't feel like I can lift my arm up all the way. Yeah. So maybe he, like, slept on his slept weird. Now his shoulder's fucked up and his hips fucked up. And it's not enough to, like, make him stop from going to West Point, but he's going to. He's going to need a little help with the glass. He's going to need a little uh, help down the ramp. I'm not saying that he – a stroke is a is a possible thing that yeah. could happen, but I'm, I'm not – Maybe Melania made him sleep on the couch, which I think is a high possibility. <laughs> I mean, apparently she had him renegotiate the prenup, so – Oh, that's right. I meant to ask you about that. Yeah. At, at a uh, – just a quick 30-second legal take here. Yes. If you had a client who was uh, going to become first lady – Yes. Is this a advantageous uh, position to be renegotiating sure. a prenup? But I mean, like without the agreement of both parties, you can't do it, so it doesn't matter. But, but it, it, if it, it, it sounded like a lot of this was a, uh, uh, I'm not coming to the White House, and neither is Barron until this is resolved, which is why she was in New York for the first. And now five you months have of, power because it's about how it looks. Just right. like she could have divorced him, but he would be a president going through a divorce, and that would be embarrassing. So renegotiating the prenup better than in private better than the public embarrassment. So yeah, I mean you have a, you're in the power position because you can embarrass him. Now for most many presidents, they would not have cared. Like I don't negotiate with terrorists, whether they're in the middle East or in my bedroom, I don't negotiate with them. Um, but he really cares about how people see him. So she knows she's got him because, Oh, I, we stayed in New York to finish the school year for Baron and my, but that's going to get embarrassing after a while, sweetie. So let's talk about this prenup. And you got it. Yeah. Um, but another thing that a crazy uh, president might do is send a cease and desist order to a newspaper <laughs> citing that their their survey was... <laughs> news organization. News organization, yeah. sorry. Uh, might, was incorrect. And using the support of another survey-taking group, which has been shown to fraudulently <laughs> really issue, be incorrect <laughs> issue their <laughs> survey. So it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. It's like, uh, I liked when five thirty eight got involved because five thirty eight literally like ranks pollsters yeah. like on yeah. how good they are. And they're just like, CNN isn't the best. They're a somewhat reliable yeah. poll. Uh, enough so that if you mentioned it in casual conversation, you don't look like an idiot for mm-hmm. spouting these, these opinions. Uh, the person that Trump, mentioned is literally the worst ranked polar and yeah. that's the one that everybody laughs yeah. at you when you cite that poll yeah. it's like oh trump up by 17 percent. wait what where'd you get that trump for america.com oh. said this oh, okay all right yeah um who would you rather vote for president donald trump or the f- pervy joe biden <laughs> Yeah, so... Uh, or would it be President Trump? One of those three options. Which is it? It's just like, I don't remember what the middle one was. All <laughs> right, so for, number one, Trump. Yeah, yeah. you got it. Um, <laughs> but I just love that CNN responded to that by uh, basically a legalized version of uh, fuck yourself. And <laughs> nothing more came of it. Like, the, the press secretary brought it up again. That Here, was it. Here's what's amazing, is that... 
it, like it's just not even being able to see the optics of it because this is the type of thing that like Erdogan does yeah. or like some like banana Republic in the, in Central America or South America or something like that. Yeah. Somebody who's like desperately trying to hold on to their kingdom and it's like, no, 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 you're lying. I have a hundred percent support. Everyone knows it. <laughs> like anytime you see a poll out of like Russia where it's like Putin has 98% of support. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Something tells me they didn't pull everyone equally on that one. But uh, the difference is Trump wishes he were that kind of guy because yeah. then he wouldn't even just file the lawsuit. Well, I mean, the, the way you, the way you get to that them. point is you start by causing chaos and oh. making people not believe in the polls that were coming up. That's I, why that's why these these dictators are so quick to do the same sort of tactic when CNN releases a poll saying yeah. like... I posted it on uh, on on Instagram. The like the twelve stages of entering a dictatorship. And yeah. you are here. Like we're working our way down the list, uh, and this is one of the steps. Making yeah. the media, and I mean not this, but making the media seem illegitimate. So when they start reporting worse stuff, you're like, I've been calling them fake news for twelve years. Well, there's that, no reason that we would murder all those kids. That happens right now because you you if I if I send an article to somebody and it says New York Times, then they'll be like, Oh, fake I don't news. trust this. Yep, fake news. The paper of record. Uh, the question is, uh, are they going to trust John Bolton or Trump's own daughter when the sister. reporting comes out? Sister-in-law. Sorry, Trump's Trump's sister when the uh, reporting comes out. Uh, I mean, I would hope both. <laughs> Especially when John Bolton gives us teasers like, Ooh, you have no idea. <laughs> My favorite part about Bolton's... Co- so uh, Bolton uh, is releasing a book. It got lost in the shuffle because, you know... Uh, the whole world decided to start protesting mm-hmm. uh, right during the middle of his media tour. So he's going to have to back that one up a little bit. Yeah, but still midsummer, <laughs> way before the election. Don't worry. He'll, he'll find a way before the convention to yeah. get this out there. Uh, but a little teaser of that had come out saying that uh, uh, the Democrats were dumb for going through with impeachment the way they did. Uh, not because he wasn't guilty of everything that he was accused of with the Ukraine. But he he's done. <laughs> he was. Because he was. He most certainly was. I was in the room. I saw it happen. I know what he did. Uh, everything that was reported is accurate. Yeah. So uh, if you would have called me as a witness, I would have told you that. But in addition, I would have told you he's also done way more illegal things. Like th- this is barely scratching the surface of his unconstitutional illegal be- behavior. Mm. And uh, read the book to find out more. That's <laughs> that's the Bolton approach right now. So, uh <laughs> Uh, Maybe he's gonna call the book "What I Would Have Charged." <laughs> the what, I w- what I would have done if I wasn't a sniveling jerk. <laughs> oh man, my, my personal letters to Nancy Pelosi. Mm. <laughs> uh, the uh, I I don't know. Like it, Bolton, in as much as he was in the room for a lot of these conversations, yeah. and he was around Trump, so I'm sure he has uh, plenty of things to say. I'm sure. I also feel like Bolton has a long history of. Uh, uh, swooping in to try and enrich himself in whatever manner possible. I mean, he's a Republican, and, so that makes that that does track. If he uh, if he's trying to make some money, I would imagine the best way of doing it is saying uh, uh, there's more illegal things than what you know, because then people are going to buy the book to find out what those illegal things are. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, maybe or maybe not, they will be in there. Well, so we have the one side covered, the president and all the illegal actions covered by Bolton's book. And yeah. then if you had any questions about his personal life, well, the sisters got you covered with her book coming out just one week after that. So, And that one's uh, 
And I think it's sister-in-law, isn't it? I I don't know. I I honestly do not care. It's Fred Trump Jr.'s wife, I think. Okay, well, whatever. If I remember correctly. Or it might be a... I don't remember. Anywho. In the end, if it was Melania, Republicans (laughs) would not believe it, and Democrats would take it as gospel, so it doesn't matter. Uh, But she she basically has been uh, holding a grudge since uh, uh, Fred Trump Jr. was sort of kicked out of the family for yeah. his alcoholism, mm. which uh, admittedly uh, Trump and the only thing that ever makes him look human when he, when he talks for 10 to 12 seconds about his brother with alcoholism. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only time you have ever even see the, the little wave of empathy, like crest over his thought process, you know, where he's just like, wish I was better. Anyway, more about me. Like, <laughs> Uh, he also frames it in the like I had to cut him out of the family. Yeah. It was my decision. I did it. Wish I didn't have to do it. <laughs> he was, but I did it. He was weak, not strong like me. I wish I did more, but he was weak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I mean, you know, again, this this seems interesting as well, in as much as uh, apparently a lot of the basis of reporting of any Trump tax document. Uh, story from the New York Times, from Maddow, from all these different sources has been coming from Mary Trump at the end of it. So yeah. uh, uh, it, maybe it's a uh, take care of me or else I keep talking, Donald, kind of situation. Because That'd be my guess. I I feel like there's never been an easier president to blackmail than <laughs> the current one. He would jump at the opportunity to do something illegal to cover it up. Like, Yep. <laughs> At least, at least during the Obama years, you had to do your blackmailing in private, you know? Like I, I would be slightly You'd concerned. have to be in the room with Barack and just be like, listen, it'd be real bad if this got out there. And I'd just go on Twitter going like, hey, by the way, I'm about to publish a book in case you want to stop me. Uh, I'd be real concerned that he would jump over the payment and go directly to paying the hitman to kill me, though, because he also seems the type to do that. I don't know. <laughs> Get fucking uh, Bill Barr on it. <laughs> Bill, need Hitman. Whoa, Mr. <laughs> I can't. Uh... Number okay. one. Never mind. Never Number mind. one, it's already a problem that you told me that. <laughs> Number two, now that we're this far, <laughs> what kind of Hitman do you want? <laughs> okay, Bill, Bill, I got it. Okay. What are the tactics? He looks over at a lawyer. He's just like, it's technically illegal already, right? All right. So <laughs> what kind of Hitman do you want? <laughs> All right. So forget about the Hitman. What are the tactics for deploying SEAL Team 6 within the continental United States, <laughs> specifically to my sister-in-law's apartment in New York? In what Manhattan. would I have to do? <laughs> you remember that whole video with Obama or Osama? What I really like <laughs> is for that, only with somebody else who's an American citizen living in the United States. What can we do about that? Feel free to throw her naked in the sea, too. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and... If you want more timely jokes than that, you know where you go. Where's that? Oh, the anthem.com. Cordo, the anthem.com. Oh, the anthem on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the listener line. 443-219-7595. What's that number again? 443-219-7595. And you can find more of me and my website, CoreyBakerFilmmaker.com, Facebook.com forward slash CoreyBakerFilm, at LegendCB5 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And a new review is out for uh, The Five Bloods, which was very good and worth checking out. It's on Netflix, so uh, go scurry and go do that because it's uh, enjoyable. You've never sounded more white than when you <laughs> say the title of that movie. I've noticed... The Five Bloods. <laughs> no, I noticed uh, when I when I 
listened when I was editing it, mm-hmm. like uh, my the and duh sound yeah. very similar. So sometimes it did sound like I was saying the five bloods, but I knew like I was like, you don't want to put too much stink on it because duh. it looks like, yeah, the five bloods. You know, you don't want to make it seem like you're leaning into it, you yeah. know? So. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, and don't let uh, Corey let you sleep on the fact that his brand new track is available now. <laughs> oh, yes. Corona Anthem. Uh, CB5 featuring CVD available now on SoundCloud. So go check out that video to come this week uh, with another an- yet another take coming a remix, if you will, coming this Friday featuring uh, yet another artist. The Actually, slim, it's, the Slim Shady edition, it's a, the Slim Shady ish edition uh, <laughs> featuring both CVD and CB5 uh, in a supporting role. Because we couldn't get that dude to actually do, that. <laughs> do the chorus. The chorus. He just was focused <laughs> on the uh, only on the uh, the what you call uh, verses. The verses. Only yeah. on the verses. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, of course, you can find more of me at Robert and Cheek at all your social networks. Uh, make sure you check out robertandcheek.com where you can find links to everything that I do, including uh, the YouTube videos. Uh, it's uh, youtube.com forward slash Rob Cheek. You'll find the Everyman Movie Reviews there. You'll find videos of all the parody tracks that we do, including Corona Anthem, the original, and the uh, remake with CB5 featuring CVD, uh, as well as all the previous parodies that we've done. Uh, and you can find uh, more of the personal videos, like the haircut videos available there. And... Um, Oh, uh, my June vlog entry where I talk about um, white privilege and how it has impacted my life. So that is a, whew, that's a, yeah, a, it's a, a bit of a movie. It's a bit of a video anyway. Uh, and of course you can find links to the books which are available on Amazon. Byros books. Thank you. And we are working at getting all of them back up on Amazon. I know some of them aren't available now, but they will be very soon. Uh, and, uh, you can find everything else at robertnchi.com. Oh, even though it's under construction. So, uh, more coming later. And of course, more coming from us as the year goes on too. We've got a, uh, a plan in place. We're moving forward with new content. Uh, we've got new equipment. Do you have, where is it? Over? It's over there. Oh, it's never right. mind. Okay. Yeah. It's out of camera. <laughs> got new equipment. We got a new bunch of everything. Uh, so we're excited for what the summer has in store once we can get out and start filming stuff. Yes, indeed. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've done good here today. We've done something. I don't know if it's good. But uh, as always, you're listening to the OD Anthem podcast, part of the OD Anthem digital network. For Corey, this is Rob. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs> and now uh, we have to write a new parody track. Got to figure out the, the next one here. I already got it. Oh, do you? Mm-hmm. Bringing in a female perspective this time. Ooh. 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 <laughs> Teaser. Can I be the girl? <laughs>